Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. In this series, we have been using a fountain. I uh, have one drawn on the wall behind me uh, as an analogy to give us an image of what our lives should be like as Christians, uh, how we need to uh, be allowing God to fill us up in order that we can uh, overflow that first basin down representing our personal life uh, where we uh, meet with God, our Jerusalem, so to speak. And then the next one down, representing our, our family and, and friends, uh, our Judea. And the next one below that would be Samaria, representing our, our community, and even including people that are not like us. And then that biggest basin at the bottom represents the, the world, unto the uttermost parts of the world, is the way Acts 1-8 put that. And uh, we need to be allowing God to fill our lives so we overflow in all those areas of, of our lives. That's God's will for us, to uh, let Him flow into our lives so we can outflow and impact others, so we can impact our family and friends uh, in a good way, so we can impact our community in a good way, in the world in a, uh, in a good way uh, for Him. Uh, so far, we've uh, looked at things uh, like how we need to identify ourselves, we need to adopt the identity of a fountain, view ourselves as a fountain that is outflowing. Uh, we need to uh, adapt to the practice of doing that, to, to understand that's the practice that we ought to have, God filling our lives up so we can outflow. And if that's going to be our practice, we have to take time to let God fill us. We, we have to take time, not just coming to church. You won't get the degree of inflow that you need in your life just showing up at church. You need to be reading your Bible at home and praying and, and seeking God and, and running after Him. In order that He's filling your life, so you've got something to spill over into the life of, of somebody else. Well, we need to accept the possibility that, that God actually wants to use us in that way. Last week we talked about how it takes more than just compassionate words. There are concerned words that we may give someone. We need to carry through with compassionate action. That's what outflow is. We're actually doing something to touch the lives of others. God blessing us and we in turn trying to bless others. A hindrance to that though is what we're going to talk about today. The, the title of today's message is, is The Water Thief. Jesus said this in John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief that Jesus talks about can be a, a lot of things, I guess, but ultimately that thief would be Satan. And he's got the desire to come into our lives and to suck out all the blessings of God from our lives. And by doing so, he can rob other people of the blessings that God wants us to outflow from our lives to the life of someone else. 
And I said, ultimately that's Satan, but there can be a lot of other things that can be water thieves. I mean, even a hobby, if you let the hobby become God in your life, can be like a water thief. Anything that, that we let constantly suck the things from our lives and the ability of our lives to be filled up by God, spending time with Him, th- those things are like water thieves. And while Satan is the ultimate water thief, you see, if he can convince us that we need to just focus on ourselves, keep everything for ourselves, if he can convince us to hold back the God-given blessings that he puts in our lives so we can bless others, in essence, you and I become water thieves ourselves. Because instead of us giving to someone else, blessing someone else, touching somebody else's life with the blessings that God has given us, we, we harbor it all in. We keep it to ourselves. We become like a vacuum instead of a fountain. When, when the image is God wants us to be, be a fountain. So we kind of put ourselves on high alert today about this water thief. I want you to notice three things with me today. The first one is this. I want you to notice what the purpose of of the thief is. The purpose of of the water thief. What he has is his goal. What, What his plan is. His first purpose is to disrupt. That's what the water thief wants to do in our lives. To disrupt the flow of blessings. That God places in our lives so we will not bless anyone else. Once again, in the first part of that verse, it says the thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. In First Peter, Peter warned us like this. He's a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he can devour. He's not positive at all. He's, he's trying to cause havoc. And the goal of the water thief is to do anything he can to try and disrupt God's flow of blessings into our lives and God's flow of blessings out of our lives. Jesus called him a thief. Some of the words that he used there. Thief literally means a stealer, of course, but it's, it's a, it comes from a root word that means to steal something opportunistically. In, in other words, you, you've got an opportunity to to steal something, and, 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 and you do it. You're trying to create those opportunities. That's what Satan wants to do in our lives. He wants to create opportunities to, to suck away the blessings of God and keep us from being able to bless somebody else. It's a Greek word, klepto, which we get our English word kleptomaniac from. So someone that has an, an obsessive urge to steal. That's a picture of, of Satan. He's got this obsessive urge to rob God's blessings out of our lives. So that in turn will rob God's blessings from people that God wants to use our lives to bless. And his goal is to rob the glory of God. That's Satan's goal always, to glorify himself and try and minimize God's glory. The thief comes, and the thing that's significant about the, the word comes here in the Greek, it's in a tense that means it's an ongoing event. It's not a one-time pointed event. It has a linear action to it. In other words, the thief is all the time coming. He's all the time wanting to walk into your life and my life. He's all the time wanting to rob us of the blessings of God. He's all the time wanting to keep us from being able to bless someone else. He comes in order that. He can suck that blessing, disrupt that blessing that God wants to use in 
in our lives. He comes in order to steal. That same word we saw a moment ago, klepto, he, he's got this obsessive urge to rob and steal from our lives. And you see, we shouldn't be surprised by that because that's what a thief does, right? A thief steals. That's what Satan wants to do. That's just going to be part of his character. He wants to, to steal. He has this obsessive urge to rob you of encouragement, to place blame upon your lives, to put condemnation in, in your life, to put guilt in, in, in your life. He, he, he wants to rob you of, of God's blessings. If necessary, he's willing to, to kill and to destroy fully in order for it to happen. Well, what we're given by Jesus is simply this. The thief is carrying on an all-out, last-ditch effort, no holes barred, to do everything he can to suck God's blessing out of our lives and disrupt the blessings that God wants to flow from our lives to somebody else. His purpose is to disrupt. His purpose is also to deceive. Because... We're also told this uh, about this thief. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, He was a murderer from the beginning. He has nothing <laughs> to do with the truth. Because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, where he's a liar and the father of lies. You ever heard someone say, You don't want to know how that person is lying if their lips are moving? You ever heard that? Now, that's a perfect description of Satan. If he's saying something, it's a lie. If he's saying something, it's a distortion. He, he wants to deceive us in any way he can, trying to keep us from, from being used by God. He'll whisper things in your ears like, You don't belong. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are? Why bother going to church? Why think that you can touch anybody else's life? You're no good. He wants to whisper things like that into our lives. Nobody appreciates you. Nobody appreciates what you're doing. So since no one cares for you, you might as well care for yourself. You're the only one that's going to take care of yourself. So instead of you doing anything to bless somebody else, if you're the only one that's going to care for yourself, then you just need to keep everything for yourself and use it all for yourself and, and use it all for your life. See, that's the kind of stuff that he wants to whisper in our ears. He, he wants to, to lie to us. <laughs> he wants us to have, now get ready for this, you've probably never heard this at church before. He wants you to have a life that sucks. Now, before you take on, say, well, I can't believe the preacher at day three said that word and everything. It's on page 40 in the book Outflow, okay? The exact phrase. And, and, and by that phrase, I don't mean that you just kind of feel like your life sucks. I, I mean that you, you've got a life that is like a vacuum, like I said earlier, and all you're doing is sucking in. Instead of allowing God to use your life to have an outward focus, all you have is an, is an inward focus. I like this quote here. 
Uh, look at this quote by Ed Knock, the former uh, mayor of New York. But enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? That's regrettably the way we live our lives. All too often, we, we make it all about us. And that is not what God has called us to as Christians, to, to make it all about us. He, he's called us to be a fountain. And, and the function of a fountain is completely disrupted if any of the bases decide to hold on to the water for themselves and, and not continue to flow. It, it no longer becomes a fountain. It becomes a stagnant pond that will eventually dry up. If any bakes and decides, I'm going to keep all the water for myself. It's all about me. Once that happens, it ceases to become a fountain. And by the way, if a basin will no longer participate as a fountain, why in the world would it need any more water if it's not going to outflow? Uh, apply that to our lives. Why in the world would God continue to bless you? Why would God continue to bless me? Why would God continue to bless a church if we're just going to make it all about us and keep everything for ourselves? We are defeating the purpose that God has for us. We're believing His lie. We're letting the water thief disrupt us and deceive us into thinking it's all about us. And if we live a life like that, why would God want to give us more blessings? Because we kind of live our lives like this chart. Everything revolves around me. I'm the center of the universe. So what you need to do is serve me and share with me and love me and listen to me. It's all about me. It's me, 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 me. And the tragedy of that is that's not just something individual Christians can buy into in the culture that we live in. Some churches buy into that and they make it all about them and they could care less if a lost world is dying and going to hell. If someone is hungry or someone is cold, when the truth of the matter, well, I, I, I kind of served notice to you on this when we were talking about invasion back at Christmas, the truth of the matter is it is this, God has called us to make a difference in this world. The, the full picture of the gospel is more than just evangelism. It is evangelism, but it's also evangelism that has compassion and ministers to people and loves people for Jesus' sake. Jesus did both. Yes, Jesus proclaimed the gospel, but look at the life actions of Jesus. Trace what he did in his life, and he was all the time doing something to minister to someone else. The one that is the ultimate fountain was outflowing all the time into the lives of others. And he didn't make his life about me. He made it about us to the point of dying on the cross for us in our place. And he calls us to do much more than just make it about us. A, a life that just sucks everything in. And the inflows continually into itself instead of being like a fountain that receives God's blessings and outflows with God's blessings to touch others. Another huge lie the water thief has is this, and it goes along the idea of, uh, of Pharisees. But another huge lie he has is, is this. If, if you're rich, 
healthy or prosperous, that means God is blessing you because you've done good. You've been a good little boy. You've been a good little girl. You've got these good deeds going on in your life. That's why God's blessing you. But if you're poor, sick, or struggling, it's because you're not good enough. Or maybe you had an ancestor that ticked God off or something, so now you're paying the results of that. See, that's the mentality that the, that the Pharisees had in that day and time. As a matter of fact, John 10.10, 10, the verse that we're looking at today, Jesus was talking to a group of Pharisees when he said, the thief comes to do these things. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He was talking to Pharisees. And to be honest with you, the, the mentality of, of Phariseeism has more to do with Hindu thought like karma than it does the gospel. And yet we'll have churches and Christians that still yet in this day and time buy into that mentality. Well, if God's blessing you, you must be living really good. Or if God is not blessing you, you must be living really bad. And see, the problem with that is it's like, it's like karma, you know? That's not the gospel. That's something out of Hinduism or other types of religions. The gospel is this. God is a God of grace that blesses us in spite of who we are a lot of times. And this lie that the water thief wants to give us that follows the mentality of a Pharisee completely leaves out the reality that there is a water thief by the name of Satan who is going around trying to disrupt, trying to deceive, trying to steal, kill, and destroy. It leaves that out completely. You see, the reason the water thief wants us to buy into lies like this, really for a couple of reasons. One, if he gets us to buy into that lie, you know what he's doing? He's causing us to judge each other. All right, God's blessing you, so you must be living pretty good. God's not blessing you. You must be doing something bad behind the scenes that we don't know about. It causes us to judge and condemn and look down on other people. It also causes us to focus on our own imaginary goodness. And the Bible says there's no one good, no, not one. But if we accept the mentality of a Pharisee, it's like we're imagining we've got some kind of goodness. And what we're really letting Satan do is his devious work of disrupting and deceiving as he plots to stop the overflow of God's blessings out of our lives into the lives of others. That's the purpose of the water thief. That's the purpose of the thief. But the second thing I want you to notice this morning is this. I want you to notice the purpose of Christ. The purpose of Jesus. Water thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Completely different mentality, completely different approach, completely different purpose, completely different goals. When Jesus said, I came, it's the same word that we saw a moment ago. Jesus came linear action on a continual basis. Jesus has come in, in order that. And he's coming all the time. He's there all the time. He's there to help us all the time. Just like Satan is there all the time trying to steal, kill, and destroy, trying to disrupt and trying to deceive, Jesus is there with us all the time in order that 
we can have, we can hold as a possession. That makes it a little bit stronger, I think, when you understand what the Greek word for have means there, is that we can have as our possession life. Jesus came in order that we might have life. In order that through faith in Him, we can have everlasting life. We can be forgiven of our sins and we can have life. And we can have it or we can hold it, once again, is what the word means abundantly. And that word means superabundant in the sense of going beyond what is needed. Superabundant in quantity, superior in quality, excessive, rich, lavish, generous, plentiful. Bounteous, overflowing, large. You might say it like this. Jesus is saying, I want you to live large in every way that matters. In every way that is really important. Jesus says, I've come in order that you might live large in that way. The Norwegian translation of John 10 10 is kind of interesting because the Norwegian word that's used there is uh, uh, overflowed, but you kind of pronounce it, you, you know, the way the Norwegians would, you'd put a, a lot of emphasis on the O, so it'd be overflowed. And the, the guy that wrote the book, Alflow, said that had became his favorite word. You can tell he kind of named the, the book after it. And when you say it like that, it, it, it gives the idea of, of, of how God wants to bless our lives in such a way that our lives really overflow. I mean, you've had things overflow before, haven't you? You left the tub running or the sink running, and you stepped away, and then you got distracted for a few minutes, and you come back, and what happened? We had some overflowing taking place last week in the parking lot that I care not to have happen again. You see, all, all that's in a negative connotation. So in a positive way, what would it mean to overflow like that? What should overflowing a Christian really look like? Maybe try to imagine it like this, because we've been talking about this fountain, but imagine it like this. Imagine all the fullness of God. Imagine so much love, so much joy, so much spiritual power that you can never, ever contain it. And the reason I say that, the truth of the matter is, you and I are not supposed to contain it. It's supposed to get out of our lives. Jesus came in order that we might have that kind of abundant life to where he is filling us up and we are constantly allowing him to fill us up to where we can constantly be overflowing into the lives of others. Just like a fountain, it needs the water coming in so the water can go out. You and I constantly need the blessings of God coming in. We need to be studying God's Word, praying, having a continuous growing relationship with Him. Why? Not so it stays in our lives. It needs to come in so it can go out. Come in so it can go out. Come in so it can go out. Most of you heard this illustration probably before, but the reason the Dead Sea there in Israel is called the Dead Sea is because all it does is take in and it never gives out. So the water's stagnant, nasty. See, God didn't mean for us to only take in and never give out. 
If you come here on Sunday morning and God gives you anything at all on Sunday morning, do you think He wants you to keep it to yourself till next week and you come back and get something else and then keep it to yourself till the week after that and you come back and get something else? No, what God wants you to do if you come here and you get something is to go out these doors and to give it to somebody else as fast as you can give it to somebody else. To as many people as you can give it to as you live your life out in this world. God teaches you something here, teach it out there. God blesses you somehow here, go out there and bless somebody else. He he wants us to constantly be filled up. The abundant life is not about you becoming rich. It's not about you spending it all on yourself. It's not about you being blessed to keep the blessings of God to yourself. It's What it is about is this. The abundant life is about having an abundant life given to you by God so you can bless others, touch others, reach others. God's abundance in your life needs to be poured out into the lives of others. That's the purpose of Christ. The purpose of the thief is to stop it any way he can disrupt the flow, deceive you into believing, you keep it all for yourself. The purpose of Christ is that we take it in to give it out. But I want to close talking to you about the purpose of the Christian for a moment. The purpose, the purpose in the Christian's life. See, the water thief had a purpose to steal, kill, and destroy Jesus has a purpose to give abundant life. But we need to understand and own this, that God has given you and I, who believe in Jesus Christ, a purpose also. That's more active and more involved than just saying, I'm saved now and I'll go to heaven when I die. It's something that he wants lived out in your lives. God has a purpose for your life. Now, there are all kinds of verses I could look at, but I wanted you to notice something that Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers. Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now those verses, I want you to think about God's character for a moment. God's character. That's the first thing we want to focus on. God's character. See, God's character is important because we're supposed to be like Him, Right? If we're Christians, we're supposed to be trying to be what God wants us to be. Verse 3 gives us a picture of his character. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So before we look at the purpose that God has for our lives, we need to take a look at, at God's character and by doing so, get some hints concerning what he wants in our lives. It says, blessed be, in other words... We ought to look at God and think how adorable. The word means adorable or blessed. We even get our English word eulogy from. You think about that at a, at a funeral. Someone trying to speak good words. We, we ought to think about God and look toward God and speak good words about Him. Why? Because He's the Father of mercies. 
He, he's the father of pity. Think about that. Man, what a name for God. Amen? That God is the father of pity. That's where pity resides. That's where pity found its origin in the very heart and actions of God. And that's where pity flows from. He, he's the very father of mercies. But look at something else about his character. He's also the God of all comfort. He's the supreme, holy, divine being of all, every, all, the whole. Comfort. And the word comfort is a word that we even use to talk about the Holy Spirit of God being our comforter. It means to, to call near, to invite, to be beside of. Once again, what a title for God. What a name for God. Not only is he the father of pity, the father of mercies, he's the God of all comfort. And, and you see, since we as Christians call God our Father, that means that we ought to have some similar family traits going on in our lives. And if he's the Father of mercy, the Father of pity, and if he's the God of all comfort, that means you and I as his children need to have pity and comfort in our lives that we are given to somebody else. So that's God's character. Let's think about God's comfort then just, just for a moment. God has this comfort that he wants to be inflowing into our lives. The Father of pity, the God of comfort who comforts us in all. I looked it up. The word all means all. In all our affliction. God wants to provide exhortation for us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to provide solace for us. He wants to be our comfort. He wants to call us near, to stand beside Him. And beside Him, we find the comfort that we need. He, he calls aloud to us to come over and, and be in His presence. He wants us to find comfort with Him. The, the word in means over. It's like God is superimposing Himself over all of our afflictions. We, we've seen the word before several times over the last few years. The, the word for affliction here is the same word that's translated pressure or tribulation or trouble in the Bible. And the root word means to, to be crowded into a narrow place or, you know, feel like you're in a rut and you're just being worn down into the rut. Matter of fact, the same word talked about a sled that was used in that day and time that they would use a heavy sled and pull it across the grain to separate the negative part that you couldn't eat that was no good, the chaff, from the grain that was beneficial. So in other words, when you factor that in, the pressure that we have in our lives, while we might tend to think of it just being bad and negative, God may have a purpose for it to separate the negative part of our life from the good part of our life that He wants to use to bless others. God is, is hovering, more or less, it gives the idea, hovering over all of our affliction. God wants to provide comfort for our lives.
No matter what you're facing, like I said, all means every. It means the whole, any, all of your affliction. No matter what you're facing, God can inflow into your life with comfort. If you're having pressure in your life, God can alleviate that pressure. He can provide comfort. If you're facing tribulation in your life, God can help you with that tribulation. God wants to inflow into your tribulation with His comfort. If you're having trouble in your life, God wants to provide comfort for your life. If you feel like the world and the problems you have are crowding you in and pushing you down into a rut, God wants to minister and inflow into your lives and and provide comfort for whatever it is that you're facing. But, but, He wants to do it not just for you. God doesn't want to comfort you in the midst of your trouble, your tribulation, your trials, your pain, your suffering, whatever it is you're going through. He doesn't want to do it just for you to keep for yourself. God's comfort, He wants to put it in our lives so it will outflow to others. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Any affliction. With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Some of you heard me quote Rick Warren on this before probably, but Rick Warren in one of his early books, The Purpose Driven Life, he said this, he said, God never wastes a hurt. We we tend to think a lot of times, oh, the good stuff that happened in my life, man, I can share that with others, I can try and encourage others. Well, the reality of it is also this, the bad stuff that you face in your life, by walking through it, God equips you to minister to somebody else when you see they're going through the same thing that God helped you with. If God's provided comfort at some level in your life because of some circumstance you're going through, God didn't do that just so you could think, man, how special I am. God helped me with this. No, God did it, yes, because He loved you, but God also did it in your life so He can use your life to provide comfort in the life of somebody else. You ever made it through cancer? Guess what? God might want to use you to bless someone else that's going through cancer. Being through a terrible divorce, God might want to use you to help someone that's going through a terrible divorce. Being through bankruptcy or had all kinds of financial problems, God might want to use you to help encourage somebody else that's going through that problem. Whatever it is, all of the afflictions that they have, God is wanting to use us. See, the, the word for that is kind of interesting. We, we would read the word that in the English language and not think very much about it. But here, when he says, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, the word for that in the Greek is a word that indicates reaching a point in your life, arriving at a place in your life, a time or a purpose in your life. In other words, we need to be looking at the things we go through in life Getting us to the point in the place that we ourselves are ready and willing and able 
to help somebody else in their affliction. To be able is the word that we get our word dynamite from. It means to have the ability or the power to do something. God comforts us in our afflictions so that we might come to the point that we understand we have the ability, the dynamite more or less, to blow away some of the affliction that other people's facing in their lives. Some of the problems, the pressures that they have in their lives. That we can comfort, that we can come alongside of. Just like God calls us to come alongside of Him and find comfort, we can call others, we can outflow to others as God inflows into our lives. So we can call out to them and call them alongside of us. So we can comfort them, bless them with the same comfort that God has given us. That's the huge challenge of outflow. That's a huge challenge for us. That's a huge challenge that I think God is wanting to place before us, before our face, before our feet, in our mind and in our hearts as individuals and as a church. That God wants us to recognize all the great comfort He has given us in our lives and in the same way we are to act like God and we are to minister to others and reach out into their lives, overflow into their lives with the comfort that God has inflowed into our lives and bless them. To realize we have the power, the dynamite to blow away the affliction of others. Paul said this in verse, verse 5, For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now recognize that verse to a certain degree is speaking about if we suffer for Christ's sake, then we ought to also experience the comfort of Christ. But I think when you look at it, especially in the Greek structure, Paul was actually maybe saying something a little bit different than that. We share in the sufferings of Jesus. In other words, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. We share in the fact that He died on the cross for us. We share that in our hearts. We ought to be sharing that with others. We are called to do that. We are called to share with a lost world about what Jesus did for us on the cross. We are called to share about His suffering. But you know what else we're called to do? We're also called to share about his comfort. That God comforted my heart in my life. And the same God that comforted my heart in my life can comfort your life. In other words, God wants us to do more than just be Christians and churches that are screaming at a lost world saying if you don't believe in Jesus, you'll spend eternity in a burning hell. Is that true? I think that's what the Bible teaches. I do think that's true. But I'm saying that's not our only message. Our message is also this. Yes, you do need to believe in Jesus to avoid eternal punishment. But guess what? God 
has comfort for your life. God has compassion for your life. God has love for your life. God has comforted my life. God has poured into my life his comfort. And in turn, we need to pour out into the lives of others the comfort that he's given us. The ministry that we have is not just to tell people you're lost. It's also to tell people you can be comforted. It's also necessary that we share the comfort ministry of Jesus. But the water thief that we're talking about today, the water thief doesn't want us to do that. The water thief has come trying to keep us from sharing the comfort of God. The water thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. The water thief wants to block to disrupt and to deceive us about God's blessings. The water thief wants to turn us into water thieves by making us believe that we can't trust God enough to trust Him with our resources and our time and our talents. We just have to keep it all for ourselves because we can't trust God enough to take care of us. That's what the water thief wants us to believe. When God wants us to believe that He is a big enough God that we cannot outgive Him, whether it be our finances or our time that we use to minister to others or our talents, God is a big enough God that instead of us being so inward focused, we make it all about me, we need to be outward focused and make it about others. Believing God will meet our needs. Believing God will continue to inflow into our lives as we outflow into others. We need to understand the water thief wants us to believe it's all about us. We need to keep it all for ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves. And if we take that philosophy in life, instead of being like a life-giving fountain, we're going to become like a, a dried-up, stagnant pond. When God wants to use us to bless others. Satan wants to disrupt the flow of blessings in your life to where it becomes a trickle and a smaller trickle and a smaller trickle going out of your life to someone else until eventually it stops. And you're no longer being used by God to bless the life of someone else. That's the purpose of the water thief. That's his plan. We need to reject that. We need to reject the purpose of the water thief. And what we need to do is embrace the purpose of Christ. To give life, abundant life. He wants to put it into our lives so in turn we give it to others. That we bless the life of others. If you're a child of God, if you trusted Christ as your Savior, that means the Father of mercy wants you to be a child of mercy. That means the God of all comfort, wants you to be a child of all comfort to where you are sharing it with a lost and dying world. Let's pray. Right before I pray with you, heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I want to ask you a question or two for you to reflect on and, and think about. First question I want you to think about just for a moment is this. What, what has a water thief stolen, killed, or destroyed in your own life? 
be honest and just eyes closed, reflect upon that. Try and identify something. Try and identify several things. That the thief has stolen or killed or destroyed in your own life. If you come up with some things, if you answer that question a little bit, what has the, the water thief stolen in your life? Now I want to ask you a second question. How does that make you feel? How does it make you feel right now? Do you like what the water thief has done in your life? Do you like the fact that the water thief has stolen and killed and destroyed some things in your life? Do you like the fact that he has disrupted God's blessings flowing from your life to the life of others? Do you like the fact that God wants us to outflow, but you've been deceived by Satan, that you're supposed to keep it all for yourself? And if you don't like what the water thief has done, can I suggest right now that maybe as you pray right now to God, that you would enlist to be a fountain for Him. That you would tell God right now that you want to outflow for His glory. That you would ask God to help you right now break the power of the water thief in your life. And for someone here, that might mean that you trust in Jesus for the very first time in your life. For others of you here, it might mean that you need to ask God for forgiveness because you already know Christ as Savior, but you've allowed Satan to disrupt the flow of blessing from your life to others. One last question. Do you like having a life that sucks? If not, right now, tell God that you want to be a fountain instead of a vacuum. Father, forgive us that we allow Satan to whisper into our minds and into our hearts that we don't belong, that we're not good enough, that we'll never fit, that no one cares about us. Father, if there's someone here today that has never trusted in Christ and they believe that lie, they believe the whisper that Satan has placed into their heart that they're not good enough, that they can't stack up to what you want. Father, I pray right now you defeat that lie of Satan by helping them understand you sent your Son into this world to do all and be all that you expect. That you sent your son into this world to accomplish what we can never ever accomplish. And that we can never be good enough, but he is good enough. 
And because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can be forgiven, we can belong, we can be part of your family. Father, if there's anyone that's listened to the whisper of Satan, I pray right now that you would shout into their heart that you love them and that you long for them to come to you by faith in your Son. But Father, for those of us as Christians who have also believed the lies of Satan, We've allowed Him to convince us that no one will take care of us if we don't take care of ourselves. So so we're keeping it all for ourselves and we're doing all for ourselves. Father, forgive us as Christians for believing that lie of Satan. Help us to understand. Help us to repent of that right now. Help us to understand that You're all we need. And what we need to do is trust in You. And ask you to constantly fill us so we can constantly outflow like a fountain. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.